Um, actual psychologist, uh, research nerd, uh, and marketing pro with 25 years experience of applying psychology to the business world and busting myths, empowering organizations to think like their customers to sell like a boss. I always say a mediocre strategist give an gives answers. A good or great strategist knows how to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, literally anything we buy, anytime we are spending money on something, it is in the hopes for a better future. Disruption can be a great way of attracting attention for an instant. But if our brains say, oh, that's okay, God, that's not interesting. Next, you're not keeping uh, that uh, attention. And so disruption can get open the door. But if you want to keep that door open, uh, you really have to find ways to be relevant and compelling. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I kill it at kids' parties. <laughs> Hello, fellows. Welcome to the next episode of Jagged with Jasravi. Subscribe to my channel for conversations at the edge with thought leaders from the branding, marketing, and the business world. Conversations that ignite new ideas, ideas with rough, sharp edges. Hi, Chris. So nice to have you on my show. Hello, Jess Ravi. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, uh, it's such a delight. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Yes, finally, we are here. <laughs> so, Chris, if I requested you to tweet your profile, what would you say? Uh, so, <laughs> I actually stressed out about this a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know it's so funny, but like, how do I cram it all into like, you know, a few characters? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say um, actual psychologist, uh, research nerd uh, and marketing pro with 25 years experience of applying psychology to the business world and busting myths, empowering organizations to think like their customers to sell like a boss. Ah, how interesting. How interesting. Yeah. It's and, been a and, fun career. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think everything to do with consumer. And then, like you said, consumer psychology is your area, which is so complex yeah. and so deep and so, I mean, evolving. You never know if you really know. And uh, if you really yeah. know, that also changes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I start with um, a, a lot of times when I'm presenting or giving a speech about consumer psychology, I'll start with an experience that I had. I always think it was my first day of graduate school. It may have been, you know, in the first month or something. But in my memory, you know, it's sort of set as like it was the first day and it was very dramatic. Um, so we're there in class and we're waiting for the professor all these new psychology students, right? And this old guy walks in with a briefcase and he sets his briefcase on the desk and he looks at all of us and he slams his fist on the table and he says, you will never understand people. And they just stopped. And we're all looking at each, all the students like, why, then why are we here? You know, we're, we're here to understand people. And then he followed up with, he said, the, the better you can accept that, um, the more effective you will be as a therapist and a clinician. And it's mm -hmm. something you should always keep in mind. And it, it took me actually uh, some time to really process that. And, and over the years, I've continually um, taken more and more from that statement. But where I've landed with it is that when you enter into 
the human sciences, you have to accept that you've entered into a commitment of con continual learning, mm -hmm. constant improvement, and mm -hmm. always asking yourself, what more is there for me to learn? Because I think the moment that you think you've figured people out, that's when you start having blind spots. That's when you start having biases that really will undermine the work that you do. And so I, you know, I'm so grateful for that moment, even though at the time I was like, what is going on? It's so heartening to hear that, you know, because when you're working in teams, you know, you have the business head, you have the creative person, you have the marketer, and everybody thinks, everybody thinks that, you know, you as a strategic planner, just give answers, right? You know, just give answers. Yeah. When you want to keep asking questions and you say that, you know, let's check this out because you don't want to be in an ivory tower and have all the answers. You don't want to, you know, because you know no. how, how we are evolving. And, you know, it's, it, you're the only person pushing for that. <laughs> so it's, it's heartening to know. Yeah, it's that, so funny. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I always say, you know, uh, yeah. I, I always say a mediocre strategist give an gives answers. A good or great strategist knows how to ask questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, to elevate everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. On that note, Chris, when you said uh, you, you like busting consumer psychology myths, first of all, how were you drawn to this? Uh, why did you decide to focus on this? And if you'd like to share some yeah. consumer myths that you busted. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking me that first part, because I think it's really important for me to sort of establish my intention here, because some of this can get pretty provocative. And if, if I'm not clear about why I'm so passionate about this, I think it can get sideways very quickly. Um, I think that, you know, like I said, that, you know, when you are in the human sciences, it is important to always keep your mind open and always accept that you, there's more to learn. And I think when we start to hear the truths about human behavior or consumer psychology, that's always a bit of a red flag for me, um, because that seems to imply that there is a right answer all the time, or that there is a complete answer. And I think that answers are usually incomplete, because we're always evolving, we're always growing, and we're always learning more. You know, the more we look at consumer psychology, the more questions there are, and the more there is to learn. And so I think when I hear some of these statements um, that I consider myths, um, it, I think it's important for us to challenge those. And um, because bad psychology equals bad marketing. And, you know, when, when you know better, to quote Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> when you know better, you do better. And so I, you know, I want everyone to excel and exceed and be, be great at what they do. And so by challenging these myths, my hope is that we can all go into the future armed with better insights and continuous learning. Yes, absolutely. So uh, would you like to share some of the myths that you have recently posted? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just spoke at a conference and um, I was a little nervous about it. This is the first time I've really dived into these myths in a, a real public forum like this. And I was a little nervous about it, but it went very well. I got great feedback. People were um, felt very inspired by it. And so um, there are really four myths that I took a look at. There's plenty more. I, I'm actually um, working on a book um, about this very topic because I feel so passionate about it. But one of the first myths that I looked at was this idea that consumer psychology is changing rapidly. 
And, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I don't think there's a month that has gone by in those 25 years where I haven't read some blaring headline about, you know, consumers are changing, everything's different, you know, you know, and, and talking about how everything's so different and changing. And some of that's very true. I mean, in the last two years, we've certainly seen a lot of changes in how uh, people behave. Um, but I think it's important to separate out the psychology on this hand from the behavior on this hand, uh, because certainly behavior changes rapidly. Um, you know, the way we shop, the way we go about making decisions, um, those can change very rapidly. But the underlying psychology, the whys behind that, the motivations that drive that behavior are much more stable over time. And so and I'd like to think about it in terms of motivations and means. So means are the behaviors that we uh, go about to achieve our motivational aspirations. The motivations are the why. So they're the reasons why we act in the ways that we do. So usually they're based on some emotional needs. So um, things like um, identity, um, security, um, connection to others, um, uh, providing for my family, uh, those types of things. I can go back to you know ancient times, you can go back to ancient Rome and look at why did people go to the market? Well, they went to the market to make sure their family had the things that they needed to get through each day, you know, food supplies and other types of things that um, really were about security um, and, and certainty for my family, making sure we all have what we need. Well, we go online today, go on to Amazon or, you know, go to the grocery store. Um, those, are, those motivations are very similar. Um, but the behavior obviously has changed dramatically. And so I think this is really important because when you understand the motivations, you go deep into those very um, uh, stable motivations, that gives us insight into what people are trying to achieve. And as behavior starts changing rapidly, we have an anchor uh, for what is it that they're trying to accomplish with this new behavior. And it gives us a little bit of, of stability on our part to understand and respond quickly, as well as anticipate how people might behave in any given situation. Uh, and I think that's something that's very important. And I'll give you a personal example. Um, I'm kind of a big music buff. Um, and uh, when I was in high school, I used to go to record stores all the time. And I would spend hours there just digging through records and CDs and learning about new bands and you know seeing what I liked and all that. And when I think about what those motivations were, yeah, it was about identity. So, you know, the music you listen to says something about who you are, um, but also discovery, um, exploration, those types of things was very enjoyable for me. And so the behavior was go to the record store and dig through all these records. Well, I don't get to the record store nearly as much as I, I would like these days. There aren't many left. Um, but I do spend a lot of time on Spotify. Um, you know, and what do I do when I'm there? Well, I'm looking through music. I'm listening to playlists. What are those motivations? Identity. You know, the music I listen to still says something about who I am. Discovery, exploration. So those motivations are still very similar. Um, and so that kind of gives you a sense of how behavior changes very rapidly. But motivations are much more stable over time. And so, you know, when we think about building strategy, 
when we think about how we're going to anticipate or respond to behavior changes, having an understanding of those deep motivations really makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of this, Chris, wherein whenever we are doing a category to understand what is the role that category has been playing in a human being's life, you know, go back to the core uh, code yeah. of the category. You know, like we were, look, we yeah. were talking about malls and, uh, you know, when we looked at the evolution of a mall and how it started and what it all, uh, what it yeah. represents in a town, you know, like a landmark place, having some culture, some escape, some exposure and some tiny little transformation, you know, every time you go. And of course, it's going to play a role, which is, you know, going to change as the town itself uh, evolves yeah. and how many more avenues it has but essentially you know that is what that is what the grandiose of the mall you know is always trying to encapsulate and the symbolism of each logo is actually carrying that you know when you when you look at the names that they'll have you know central yeah. land <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> uh-huh. i love that that's you know that's that's an excellent example i mean i think especially these days when we think about the mall and you know they're they're struggling quite a bit, um, but I think that at some point, um, yeah, it's it's an unshopping will, mall. Yeah, it became an unshopping yeah, right. mall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily yeah. about shopping anymore. It's about the experience and, yeah. and different things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, incidentally, I I know um, a plug for uh, a TV show, but uh, the the new season of Stranger Things on Netflix is coming out, and uh, I'm not sure if you've you've watched or not but uh, I, I have, the last season was very much oh yeah so if you remember well, the last the season seasons, was very yeah, much about f- about the star court mall and you know all of yes, that and i just yes. thought it was it, for me it was so nostalgic to see yeah. a mall like that again yeah because cool. i have a 14 year old so every oh, every <laughs> such <so> you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Yeah>. excellent <laughs> you know that's that's i think uh, you made a great distinction about um, the motivation and uh, the behavior and um, you know I think the entire behavioral science is based on this uh, uh, you know I'd like to know your views about this that uh, as human beings we've not really changed that much you know how how our brain processes things and uh, you know if, if we understood that we'd realize that you know, the little, little clever gimmicks that we are <laughs> doing in marketing right, yeah. might not exactly. really even get registered and matter because, you know, your, the brain is going to function in a certain way as a human being. Yeah. So, Chris, I think, yeah. Well, I was one more thing on that. And I think it's important, too, is that, you know, one of the things and, and this is kind of a, a sub myth, if you will, um, is that, you know, insights always have to be fresh and new. And, you know, there always has to be something new when it comes to insights. Well, I think part of that is because we're not making this distinction between motivation and means. Um, if we're looking at behavioral data, certainly we want to have the latest data about what shoppers are doing. But when we look at the motivations and the underlying psychology, those insights are much more long lasting. They have much longer lives than than the behavioral data because it gets again back to this idea that motivations the underlying psychology is much more stable over time so you can look at a study that is 5 10 20 years old even in some cases that is still relevant and valid today and you can still develop tremendous tremendously effective strategies from 
Uh, and so I think it's important in that sense too, um, that we're not throwing away um, the the good with the bad, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 this this is so much meaning, Chris, because sometimes you know we just want some something new, trendy, faddy, yeah. you know, <laughs> like like if, if yeah. it's not new, like just coin it as something new, you know, like just package it as something new. Yeah, that that yeah. yeah, and those yeah. are important too. And I don't want to, I don't want to undermine the importance of new data and fresh data. Um, but I think it, we also can appreciate those longer, long, more long-standing insights that are still, you know, um, very much able to fuel a very interesting and effective strategy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let not just for the sake of having something new, you know, like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, like it's it's okay. I mean, we are not changing at a basic level that much, you know. So, so. Well, I'll give you an example too that I love in this case, which is, um, an insight might be something like, um, when we think of identity, you know, people love to think about themselves, talk about themselves. Uh, That sense of identity is really important to people, right? I mean, we could say that that's a that's not a new insight by any means that you could go back, you know, centuries. And that was the case, but there's a certain company that had one of the most effective marketing campaigns in history based on that insight. And that was Coca-Cola when they started putting names on their cans and bottles. And that was all about, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go look for my name. I'm going to look for my friend's names. Ah, you know, and it created such excitement and engagement and that became a worldwide phenomenon based on an insight that is perhaps centuries old but but gave it such a modern modern uh, relevance and twist absolutely exactly absolutely. yeah chris next yes. myth next one up all right With we you busted on this that ride. one huh? yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. so here's one that um i feel so passionate about sometimes i can get a little uh you know get a little much about this so um but i feel strongly <laughs> about it so I hear this all the time in various forms, and it's shoppers don't think. And the way this plays out is, oh, well, you know, shoppers act on autopilot. They're not really thinking. Um, it's, you know, I hear, uh, I've worked with, you know, so many brands over the years, um, but I hear things like, well, my, my category is a drive-by category. People just, you know, barely stop. They just grab whatever and they don't think, or they buy based on price or habit. And they're not really thinking. And, you know, I, I, what bugs me about this is it really is kind of a blame the consumer strategy or, or thinking. Because even though um, someone may be shopping on autopilot, there's a tremendous amount of thinking going on beneath the surface. They might not be as aware of it, but there's a lot of decisions being made. There are influences that are happening. And I think when I hear that, from a brand or a company, what I hear is we don't want to do the hard work of trying to reach them, even though they're in autopilot mode. And I will, I will say, I will admit, it is hard work. Um, it's not easy, but it is absolutely doable. And I want to give you an example of a pretty common example of what this uh, looks like. So uh, imagine this scenario. You are in your car, and you're driving a very familiar route. Maybe it's from work to home or from the store to home or something like that. And you pull into your driveway 
and suddenly it occurs to you, I don't remember very much about that drive. Um, and it just seems like there's kind of a blank, like you were on autopilot, right? But at the same time, you stopped at all the stop signs, you turned and made all the right turns. Um, you, you know, if other drivers, you know, were, were there, you responded to them. So you're being influenced. Um, there's a lot of thinking and influence still happening. Um, it's just that it didn't register in your memory. And so I think when we think about shopping and people shopping on autopilot in certain categories, um, that is very similar. There's still a lot of thinking. There's still a lot of um, influence that can happen, but it does take some hard work to do that. And, and so I think that it is important for us to distinguish, is this um, a situation where we can't influence or is it just a situation where they don't have a lot of memory or they've been trained to shop on price or shop by habit? And that is on us as marketers. Um, if, if our shoppers are shopping on autopilot and they're just buying the lowest price or they're just buying the same thing they bought the last time every time, that is on us. We have trained them to do that by overusing price promotion, by not providing anything interesting in the category for them to shop differently. And so we have to think about new ways to get attention and then influence shoppers as, as they go about their shopping trip. And so this, I think, is where empathy comes in. Um, I think empathy is a superpower. Um, when, and I, and I talk a lot about this, is it's not enough to think about your shopper. You have to think like your shopper uh, if you really want to be effective. Because empathy um, is such a superpower. In fact, um, Satya Nadella, the um, Microsoft CEO, recently made a statement that I just thought was wonderful. He said, the source of all innovation uh, comes from the most humane uh, quality that we all have, which is empathy. And I just, I just love that. And I really latch on to that, that quote. I thought it was fantastic. Um, because when we think like our shopper, what we're doing really is we're setting aside our own perspectives, our own uh, biases, what we think. We're able to set that aside and say, I'm going to put myself in their headspace. I'm going to understand their perspectives, their lives from their point of view. Um, and that's where some real magic can happen. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Chris, uh, I think um, if I could add, and I'd like you uh, to have your views about this, that yeah, great. a lot of times shoppers, the, the, the thinking is subconscious. The thinking and the decisions have been made at a subconscious level and consumers have bought it. And then there is a lot of, you know, post-rationalization yes. also happening. So uh, if we keep into account both, because both are important, the, the, yes. the consumer needs to feel that they did the right thing, uh, considering the conscious evaluation parameters that they had, of course, the social proof, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and, you know, whatever the biases that they have, uh, that has become a, sh you know, like a shortcut in their brain to go for a certain brand. So. I think uh, marketers don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> a 
so I like to say, uh, it put it a little bit differently and maybe a little more uh, like judiciously and say, you know, uh, marketers like to be efficient. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, and it, it, it really, sometimes it is, I feel like I, I need to kind of shock people into thinking a little bit more because I think mm-hmm. it, and it really is for the, the sake of being more effective. Um, I think when we use um, phrases or uh, things like shoppers don't think, um, there is a bit of um, laziness, if you will. Uh, it's a little harsh, but again, you know, I feel like I need to shock people out of that thinking sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it also gets into emotional engagement. Um, you know, when you think about um, any, anything we buy, um, literally anything we buy, anytime we are spending money on something, it is in the hopes for a better future. Now, and, and I, I love having this conversation uh, and I actually have this with my friends sometimes because it just gets very interesting. Uh, and my position is every time we buy something, it is in the hopes of a better future. And people say, well, like, what about like buying toilet paper? Huh? I'm like, well, it's better than a future not having toilet paper, right? <laughs> so it is, you know, we always, if you think about it that way, then you can start to ask yourself, well, what are they, what do they want? Like, what is, what is, what is the aspiration here? And how can we help them get there faster, more effectively, more efficiently, and, and in a way that's more enjoyable? Because that's what ultimately will influence uh, your shopper, your, your, your consumer. Yeah. <clears throat> Chris, to, be, uh, to have empathy with the marketer, um, you made a good distinction about being efficient uh, versus being effective. And to be fair, the pressures, the daily pressures have increased so much for the marketer with, uh, you know, everyday sales data with e-commerce and performance, uh, you know, matrices uh, coming into the picture. Uh, but in that, uh, like keeping the right anchors alive for understanding the consumer uh, really pays. Uh, Absolutely. And I think that yeah. you kind of get into a, a this is another uh, kind of myth as well, which is it's too expensive or too time consuming to create in-depth insights. And I think you said it right. It's about building those anchors. Um, it's about building a foundation of insight because when you go deep and you understand the motivations, the aspirations that, that your consumers have, that's a foundation that you can tap into again and again and again. Um, and it actually will help speed up your process because you don't have to start from scratch every time you want to understand your consumer. You've got that foundation to start with. And so it can actually help you be more efficient, more effective in a manner that is faster and more responsive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the yeah. moment you were talking about the foundational anchors, Chris, I felt that one thing I noticed is that whenever even research is happening, there's a lot of focus on category behavior. There's a lot of focus on, you know, how the consumer is behaving or, and the motivations therein. But mm-hmm. if we zoom back to their them as people and yeah. their life stage and, and what they seek in life, like you were saying, a better future. I mean, that is a, that is a very human uh, person, life uh, motivation. And yeah. if we get those anchors right, you know, those are always going to help interpret the changing behavioral data better. It's exactly right. It's all connected. Yeah. Um, that, that, that changing behavior happens for a reason. All behavior happens for a reason. And when you understand those reasons, it just helps you respond more quickly, helps you understand uh, and be more effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. shall we move to the third myth? Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> this is one that I've seen popping up a lot lately. And it was so, um, I think the reason why it's coming up so much is because it sounds really interesting. It's like clickbait. Um, and so when I saw it, I'm like, I need to know more about this. Is this true? Um, and it's that consumers' attention spans are less than those of goldfish. And I mean, it's just, it seems like in the last couple of years, I've just seen this keep popping up. So I'm like, I'm going to do a little digging and see about this. Well, the thing is, there's absolutely no evidence of this whatsoever. Zero. So uh, there's a... It, the reference point uh, that I keep hearing is that there was a Microsoft study. Microsoft did this study and they found that you know, consumers' attention spans are less than those of goldfish. That study does not exist. Um, they did not study, uh, they did not make a comparison to goldfish. Um, there was nothing. In fact, no one has ever studied the attention spans of goldfish. I don't even know how you would do that, but there's no study at all that has ever existed um, to do that. And in fact, for goldfish, um, they actually, uh, have been able to study their memories, um, using food and they found that goldfish have memories that can last months and months. And so, you know, uh, hopefully I'm vindicating, uh, these goldfish as well, but, um, you know, I think what's behind this is attention. It's not that our attention spans are less or that we're incapable of attention. Uh, it's that there's more competing for our attention these days than ever before. And that what that means for us as marketers is that we have to work harder to be more relevant, more interesting, more uh, compelling, more attractive to get their attention and then keep it. And that is uh, very possible. If you've ever uh, binge watched uh, a program on Netflix, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, Stranger Things. You know that we our attention spans can last very long, in fact, all day probably, uh, if we're interested, if we're engaged, if it's something relevant and motivating for us, our attention spans are there. It's just that there's more competing for it. And so we as marketers just have to work a bit harder. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and like you so beautifully said that for that, you have to understand what is the substitute, what is the frame of reference, and what are you competing with? Like Netflix yeah. says, I'm competing with sleep, you know. <laughs> so, so when you said day, please include night as well. Yeah, if, exactly. Right. If the season is not complete, you know, the night also yeah, gets usurped. Exactly. I've definitely uh, had rough mornings uh, because yeah. I was watching something that was really interesting the night before. Yeah. I think that um, it's important for us to understand kind of the nature of attention as well. And how do you get it? You know, like, how do you go about attracting attention? And the thing is about attention is that it is a limited and finite resource. And as people, we only have so much attention at any moment to give away. And I like to kind of, it's a strange analogy, but if you think about uh, attention, like soldiers, like your troops, right? You can only deploy your troops in so many places before you're depleted. And you can choose to put all your troops over here, but then you're missing everything else. Or you can spread them out all over the place, but you're not getting as much from any one of those. But once you've depleted your troops, you don't have any more to give. And so we always have to think about uh, attention as a finite resource. Um, and so that's why our brains, being as efficient as they are, have created something called selective attention. 
um, where we don't, you know, we can, our brains automatically screen out information that we don't think is relevant. It's not something we d- we're aware of. Um, it happens automatically. And in an activity that I like to, to do to, to um, showcase this is I just ask people uh, to wiggle their toes. Just take a second to wiggle your toes. You can feel your toes. You can feel probably the inside of your shoe. Um, maybe your toes are cold. Maybe they're warm. But the thing is, 30 seconds ago, you weren't thinking about your toes. They were still there. All of those sensations were still there. It's just that they were not relevant in the moment. And so your brain automatically uh, filters that out. But as soon as we bring attention to your toes, then that becomes relevant. And you can't, you're now aware of all of those things. And so that's exactly how marketing messages are, or, or any kind of marketing messages, packaging, commercials, anything like that, is unless it's relevant and compelling and interesting, our brains are going to screen it out. And once that happens, you've lost any opportunity to communicate and convince your shopper or your consumer to buy your product. And so we always have to be very aware of, are we being relevant? Because really relevance is the golden ticket. Finding ways to be relevant is how you get attention and how you keep attention. We often think about like, oh, disruption. Well, disruption can be a great way of attracting attention for an instant. But if our brains say, oh, that's okay, God, that's not interesting. Next, you're not keeping uh, that uh, attention. And so disruption can get open the door. But if you want to keep that door open, uh, you really have to find ways to be relevant and compelling to engage that consumer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots of points here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, for our audience's sake, uh, I love this. Our brain is an ignoring machine. You know. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we 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 we're going for shortcuts all the way because the brain needs to conserve energy. Absolutely. Second point that you said was the, the need for a narrative, and that is what all the 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 seasons or every episode, you know, this this it, it leaves on a question. So you want to know right. what's next. What's next? The cliffhanger. The brain yeah. Is compelling you. You know, it's it's that. Like, like a drug kind of an addiction that you want to know what happens next. A lot of times, Chris, what I do is, I mean, I know I'm going to get into this trap. I know this is a binge-worthy season. And I, I, I want to, you know, uh, escape it. Or I want to uh, hack it or have an antidote. I just go on right. Wikipedia and read what's going to happen next. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't get into the trap then because I already know what's going to happen. That's now. I don't need I mean, to try that. Although I love the surprises hour. too. So I don't know. Like, I no, have no, to, like, when I have careful. the time, yes. When I have the time, yes. But when I, when I know I don't have the time and, and I cannot afford it, that's when I do it. I trick my brain. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> and and that that is what you were saying about if a marketer builds um, – narratives like that uh, in their messaging and even if there isn't a big idea but every little execution is you know every little is building towards that larger uh, gratification then you know you you also keep them interested yeah and if you if you think about you know a consumer journey i think it's a great way to think about it too is how do we make sure that my consumer wants to know what's next 
Uh, you know, that's, that's great. You just inspired me on that one. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. And, and, and I must tell you that, 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 that the goldfish are very, very grateful. They are vindicated, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I have a champion. Finally, <laughs> we have a champion. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. How thoughtful <laughs> was that? <laughs> well, I am an animal lover, so you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great for them. Yeah. Okay. How about so, one more myth? We have time yes, for one Chris, more. Yes, oh, This is this is a big one. Okay. This is this is the big finale here. I think so. And, and I think this is where we start to get into some uh, some things that can be kind of uh, provocative um, and a little controversial, but uh, I, I've got the goods here. So um, this myth is that we can accurately identify consumers' emotional states simply by scanning their faces. And this is one that has come up quite a bit in the last five years or so because of artificial intelligence. And these claims that um, artificial intelligence can accurately scan someone's face and tell you exactly how they feel. Um, well, that, that is absolutely inaccurate. Um, and I referenced the work of my hero. Uh, her name is Dr. Lisa uh, Feldman Barrett. And she is a... Uh, psychologist and neuroscientist and she is among the top one percent of cited scientists in the world for her break breakthrough work in uh, emotion and emotional engagement and expression and her work um which actually i should also plug her books for her because uh, they're fantastic as well uh she has two great books one is called um how emotions are made and the other is called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain. And I would, for most of the audience, I'd probably recommend going with Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain first. It's, it's the more accessible of the two. The first is a, a very um, dense book. It was, it was even for me as a, a research nerd, someone who's been doing this for a long time. It, it's a tough, it's not a tough read. I mean, it's fascinating, but it, it is very technical in some ways. But Seven and a Half Lessons is, is a great read. It's very entertaining. She has a great way of writing. Um, but she looks at, um, one of the things that she looks at is emotional expression. It's been part of how she, what the work that she's done for years. Um, and her work has revealed that people express any given emotion in a wide variety of ways. Uh, when it comes to uh, expression of emotions, that uh, variability uh, is the norm. And so, as an example, um, we can look at anger, right? So, in anger, you know, people in urban cultures ex like express anger with a scowl about 35% of the time. Now, as, uh, as Dr. Feldman Barrett says, um, that's good enough uh, to get your work published. But I'm not sure you'd want to actually hang a marketing strategy on something that happens 35% of the time. Um, and so, you know, when we look at a scowl, people scowl for all sorts of different reasons, right? They might be angry, uh, but they also might be concentrating. They might have gas, right? Uh, there's a lot of different reasons why someone might scowl. And we also express anger with our faces in many, many different ways. Um, scowling is one of them. 
But you know, people also might smile or laugh in anger. They might cry when they're angry. Um, there's many different ways that people can express anger. And so, you know, the evidence is really clear that any given emotion can be expressed in a huge variety of ways. And any given facial expression can have a huge variety of different emotional meanings, if any at all. And so I think it's really important for us to keep that in mind, because I think that can really lead to um, marketing missteps uh, if we are over-relying on just an expression uh, to tell us what someone's feeling. Um, and the question I often get here is, well, Chris, you know, when my spouse makes that face, I know exactly what that means. And my point here is it's not because of the face. It's because you know your spouse and you've seen that face many, many times. And you know from history, from context, exactly what that means. It's not just the face. Yeah. This is really huge. This is really huge. And like we say, the context is everything. Like, how will there's you know? Until, unless you know. There's a zillion different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Actually, you just reminded me, there's a great book too that I'd recommend um, called Context is Everything uh, by, <clears throat> pardon me, by an author named Susan Engel. Um, and it's been really influential in the way I think about these things as well. Um, when we think about, you know, what, so what are these AI systems? measuring um well they're measuring physical cues and they're able to identify physical cues what they're not measuring is the underlying psychological meaning of those cues and that's where so many other things come into play to help make as you meant you know as you said you know there's so much context you know around like what is the situation they're in what is their body doing because that's part of the process you know part of the context as well what are they you know what are they responding to and so i think you know uh, this is something for all of us to, as marketers, to really challenge ourselves and challenge these claims because, you know, people spend a lot of money on AI systems to detect emotion. And I would be, uh, I would not be doing my job if I didn't caution people uh, in that situation. It's time for talent show. <laughs> and you've got to do something for our audiences. Okay. What is it? Uh, what is it? I am, and I am don't so forget, Mr. This. Freud is watching. And Mr. Freud is watching right here, my little <laughs> bobblehead. Well, um, this secret talent that I have is, uh, <laughs> it is the result of probably a misspent youth. Um, but uh, it makes me very popular at six-year-old birthday parties. Um, so my secret talent, is balloon animals. I can make a balloon. I'm a little rusty, but I can make a basic dog pretty easily. We go about our, hopefully I won't pop this and scare everyone. This, and the funny, the hard part, the hardest part of this is not making funny faces while you do it. Cause I'm always like, ah. but this, Oh, getting there. Almost there. There we have our dog. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like I, said, I kill it at kids' parties. <laughs> you are their favorite. 
let's see how you do this. Yeah. All right. Let's see how we go. Okay, Chris. <clears throat> mother's best advice. Um, mother's best advice. Um, be the job, big or small. Do it well or not at all. Oh my God! How nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would you do on Mars for fun? Oh, I would probably. I mean, I just think I'm fascinated by like the red dust. So I probably just like roll around and play with the dust and it's just fascinating nice visual okay as for your right. best friend <laughs> as for your best friend what is your most often used phrase oh geez that's easy awesome i use the word awesome way too much <laughs> okay okay what would you tell your 18 year old self oh geez everything's gonna be okay i think you know i I uh, tend to overthink things and uh, that started at a very young age. And I, I think just everything's going to be all right. Uh, what uh, a book you'd like to gift to all your uh, friends. Oh, wonderful book um, that really ha- uh, changed my life uh, is a book called uh, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Um, in fact, it has very much influenced this entire conversation because he talks about the importance of updating our mental maps. and. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the you know really to make sure that you're going where you want to go living a life that you want to live always update your map super super or uh, what is your favorite childhood memory my i have a my grandfather it was a um untraditional grandfather uh very um very into bling he owned a a bar um and was just like the coolest guy like would have dark shades and gold chains and uh he was just such a cool guy he drove this big gold cadillac and uh he was just just being with him was always so fun wow wow what a memory oh uh, yeah. uh what's something new happening in life right now just got a new puppy um in fact uh we're going two weeks uh with our new puppy uh and so uh it's it's been a journey let's just say and as i mentioned <laughs> just before i got on he made a mess on the floor that i had to take care of <laughs> okay uh if you had to devote the rest of your life to philanthropy what cause would you choose um so for me it uh, it's very personal um it's would be um lgbt uh causes uh in, in particular i think because it's such a need right now is uh protecting and empowering trans people Okay okay what is your greatest joy uh, music um it has been uh for me it has been um an escape it has been um uh joy it has been pleasure like whether it's live music or just searching music it's something i'm so passionate about okay what is a lesson that took a long time to learn oof I you know I I'm going to go back to how we started and say this idea that um you you'll never fully understand people because that was always what I wanted to do and it took me a very long time to sort of fully grasp um you know what the benefits actually of realizing that's something that uh, you can never really do. Okay. What's next, Chris? Ah, uh, uh so next for me um uh is i'm writing a book actually based on these uh, myths and um just literally have very beginnings of this um but um i'm really excited i feel so passionate about this um to you know because i feel like it's something that really empowers people 
Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's next for me. Yay! First of all, you did so well. And oh my gosh, secondly, thank you. <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> secondly, for announcing this on Jagged with Jisravi. So once yeah. you've written the book, we'll invite you again. And then you can oh, talk absolutely. about it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. You can invite me back anytime. Uh, I'd be happy to. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Uh, it's a wrap-up. Uh, Chris, if you could share any online addresses, emails, uh, how can yes. our audiences reach you? So uh, my website, um, it's in transition right now, so it's a little wonky, but it's thebicologist.com. And uh, you can always reach me either through the website or at chris.gray, and that's G-R-A-Y, at thebicologist.com. And, uh, you know, I'm always so happy to hear from people um, with questions or, you know, if you felt like I did something well or you want to challenge me on something. I, I, I love it all. So by all means, feel free to reach out. Super. We'd have it in the show notes also. I absolutely, by all means, make sure you subscribe, like the the uh, the the podcast and uh, video. Uh, <laughs> I'm like so Angel nervous. <laughs> uh, yeah, and just I think that uh, boy, you you really you really are on it. You. I'm very impressed by your insight and your own curiosity. You you make the show work. And so really everyone just tune in.